this morning as, as the students are getting ready to go to camp to be transformed and molded by the Holy Spirit, I pray that this morning would also be transformative for each of us. As we went through the, the songs of, of worship and going through all those, which, by the way, I don't know if Tanya's back in here yet, but I just want to say that was a beautiful worship set this morning and really absolutely sets the tone for what today's message is about. And as you can hear through the, the, the words of the songs, that it can be come across as a, as a heavy thing, but I hope that it is encouraging to each and every one of you. So, how many of you like to watch fail videos? Anybody? Anybody in the room enjoy fail videos? As long as the person is not getting too terribly injured or hurt or anything like that. You know, sometimes we can watch them and it's, it's really enjoyable and you're laughing and then sometimes you just see some of them you're like, ugh. And you're just like, why? Why would you even do that? But, you know, somehow we get, we get sick enjoyment out of watching fail videos and watching people do stupid things to injure themselves. Um, but, you know, other times when we experience people being hurt in front of us, often our reaction is to run over and help, correct? It's different when you're watching it on a video because most of the time you know that they're going to be okay and that's why it's on video, whereas in person you don't know the situation and you don't know the circumstance so you're more likely to run and help. You know, as, as a kid, it's, it's funny how different kids react to pain in different ways and how some are highly emotional and highly reactive when they get hurt and other ones are just kind of like, oh, just brush the dirt off and, and, and go their, their way. For me, as, as a kid, I was, my parents would always try to watch me really close when I got hurt because if it was just like a scrape or something like that and there was no blood, fine. But if there was even a small ounce of blood, I would literally stop and inspect myself. And if there was blood, I would start screaming and crying and overreacting to everything, no matter how small or how big the scrape was. And, you know, today's message, I just want to say it's, the title of it is, Communication is Key healing. And I remember, I, uh, uh, I don't know if many of, you know, many of you know, but I had a surgery about two and a half years ago uh, to, to restructure my knee. I was born with a birth defect where the, uh, the bone that's supposed to hold your pele- uh, patellar tendon, it's supposed to look like this, so that way it holds the tendon in place. Mine was born like, th- I was born like this. So there's nothing in place to hold my my tendon where it's supposed to be. So I have dislocated my knee about five times in my life. And the last time that I did it that really caused my injury to to linger and to lag, I was actually rock climbing with some friends at a gym. And... uh, so I'm climbing, and it's, we've been there for about 30 minutes already. We had an hour session that we were going to be there. And I could kind of feel my legs getting tired, didn't really think about anything. And I planted my leg like this and went to push up. It didn't push up. And I was lit, my knee was like right here by my face, and I literally watch everything pop in different directions. And I saw the skin on the side of my knee dent in, 
and then everything just popped back into place. And I start screaming because I'm almost at the top of the wall. And the guy that's belaying me thought I was joking or I just let go of the wall as I'm swinging around this rope, not touching the wall. I'm just kind of spinning up there, screaming and holding my knee, and they think I'm joking until I communicated how much pain I was in and get me down. And at that point, they, they brought me down. They helped me walk over to uh, the bench, and I was done for the rest of the day. And so it's interesting that so often when we are experiencing pain or we are going through pain, people don't know the severity of it until we communicate it. So this morning, again, the title is Communication is Key for Healing. And I think that James ends this book in such a beautiful way. Because if you remember all the way back to the very beginning, the, the intro to the whole thing is to the people that are dispersed. It's talking about the idea that the people of, of the church are dispersed and running in different directions because there's persecution that is coming after them. That there's famine, that there's war, there's all of these things that are going on in their lives and they are overwhelmed and they are having to go away and run and afraid for their lives. They are deeply, deeply suffering. And he starts off the next verse after that, hey, find joy in times of trials. <laughs> it's just like, James, if you were in reaching distance, we'd have a problem. But then after he goes through the fine joy and the times of, of trials and the times of, of struggles, he, he begins to get into the idea of, of all of these different things that are happening within the church because what happens when you're suffering? What happens when you're in pain? What happens when you're going through hard times? Often we don't treat others kindly. So you think about all of the different things, how they're showing partiality or there's quarrels going on within the church, that they're not treating each other well and just things just seem to be going really bad for this church. And then it ends up last week uh, as Tyler began or uh, did so beautifully with the idea of suffering and patience or pa being patient in suffering. So... He's not only talking about at the beginning, hey, find joy in it, but then I also want you to be patient as you're going through it. Because if you aren't patient and you begin to pray and you just try to rush out of it, you could miss the whole point of what God is trying to do in your life. That's where you live. <laughs> live in the patience, right? Waiting, on, uh, waiting for God to, to get to the other side. And I loved how, how Tyler brought to the idea that God's timing is not our own. I know plenty of times we wish that it was. So like, I'm ready for this to be over. I'm ready to move on. God's like, not yet. You haven't learned everything that I need you to learn. And this is where James closes out the entire book. And the way that I, that I read through this is if we are to make it through suffering, if we are to make it through hard times, if we are to make it through our struggles, there's only one way to do it. Pray. 
So let's start in James chapter 5, verse 13. If anyone among you suffering, or is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And this is how he begins to close out his letter to the people. And we need to remember to keep prayer and communication with God as a priority in our lives, whether things are good or bad. If we are keeping God as a priority within our lives, we have him involved in everything that we are doing. We are communicating to God because what? Communication is key, right? God may know the situation, but do we care enough about the situation to bring it to him? Most of the time, we just try to keep it in, try to put our heads down, push through, and just try to get through it and be like, yeah, this will be over soon. Sometimes, yes. A lot of the times, no. And I get it. Life is busy. How many of you have a busy life? How many of you say that, you know, sometimes it's just really hard to fit in times of prayer because life is so busy and when I get home, I'm tired. And if I close my eyes to pray, I'm going to fall asleep. I'm there. I've fallen asleep praying many times. Or maybe that you're just so exhausted or, or things are just beating you down. You're like, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to spend with God because I just need to relax. I just need to let my mind escape. I just need to clear everything out. When we allow life to be that busy and we're, we're eliminating God out of everything, it, it can be so easy just to forget to spend time with him. Maybe it's not that you're so tired or worn out that you just choose not to. Maybe it's just that you're so overwhelmed that you're like, I forgot to. But when we are struggling or going through times of suffering, we need to be in prayer to make it through it. It's hard when we are going through those heavy times, and it's hard to, to make it through. It's hard to, to see God in the situation. It's hard to know that God is there when we are suffering. But he is, with an ear open and ready to listen to each and every one of us. So why is it that we don't often go to him when we are suffering? Why is it that we exclude God when we are going through those times? It's easy. Again, life is busy. The situation is, is, is overwhelming, and it's just that like you don't know what to do. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you haven't highlighted it in your Bible, I encourage you to turn to it and highlight it. If you don't have your Bible here with you, write it down so you can do it later because... This verse is something that I hold, clean, hold very tight to, to who I am, to my journey with Christ, to uh, when I evangelize, to, to people where I talk to people about Jesus. This is one of my go-tos. It's Psalm 34, starting in verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of what? All their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. 
And then this is where he also, God also promises the fact that life is not going to be easy. You will go through things in your life. You will struggle. There will be times of suffering. There will be times of pain. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Does that sound like a God that's oblivious to your situation? Does that sound like a God that doesn't know what you're going through? Does that sound like a God that has left you in the midst of your despair and your struggle? It says he's near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And that God will deliver us out of those situations. Again, it's not about our timing when we think that we should be done with it, but God will deliver us through those things. Or how about when things are going well? We need to make sure to take time to praise God, thank God, and worship God. And ironically, it's, it's interesting. Often when times are going good in life, everything's cheerful, you're happy, everything's just going well, there's nothing wrong in your life. How easy is it for us to not focus on God? Just, eh, we don't need anything. We're, things good. Everything's all right. Everything's going well. I don't need to ask God for anything right now. And we can easily forget to be thankful for those times. We can forget to worship. We can forget to praise. You mind if I get real honest with you guys for a minute? I find it sad how few people are in this room when worship starts. And I say that because I look around every week, and when worship starts, there's about 10 people in the room. And when it gets to the third or the fourth song, man, the room begins to fill up. And yeah, I think it's, it's wonderful and it's fantastic that, that we are spending the time out in the cafe and we're fellowshipping with one another. That's important and that's needed. But I want you guys to hear when that is getting in the way of our time where we should be praising and worshiping God, we're missing out. Worship is something that is important. And so often we're like, God, why aren't you involved in my life? Why aren't you doing things? God can do amazing things when we are opening ourselves up to worship and praise him. To show times of gratitude and thankfulness when we are going through good times. And what better way to, be, to find healing than to give everything to God and worship when you are suffering? What I would love to, to see from our, our congregation, what I would love to see within the church is an anticipation to worship when the five-minute clock is on that we're in here and we're ready. That we could be excited that church is about to start. That we could be excited that we get to spend time with God and see the Holy Spirit begin to move when the worship is going and we're just saying, God, do it. Have your way. God, I'm so thankful for what you've done this week. Or God, I'm going through this week and I need you. What would happen if we got to a place where we were in anticipation to worship, not saying, oh, I can go in on the third or fourth song. It's okay if I miss the first ones. They're just the previews to, to what's about to happen. 
What if we put a priority on worshiping God? Because he's saying here, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Does that mean nobody's cheerful in the room? I would love to see this church really grasp and fall in love with worship. You know, I I always say it this way, and uh, I felt God taught me this several years back. If we're coming to church only to hear the word, it's selfishness because it's about receiving. Where worship is the aspect of giving to God. Worship is a place of selflessness. It's, it's pouring yourself out to God. It's, it's letting yourself be open. Even if you can't sing, it's okay. Worship God with everything that's within you. It's important to make that a priority. If we are wanting to see God move in our lives, we need to make sure that he is in our lives and it is a priority both in bad times and good times. Is that something that you can say right now? I can't always say that. I'm being completely honest with you. There are times where in my life where I recognize that I am not making God a priority and I need to turn those times around. Submission is... To God is not giving in, it's giving it to God. Sometimes we have this, this idea is that we're, I'm just going give to give in to God, I'm just going to let him do his thing. But what about if we, we turned it around and it's not like we have to do this, but man, I want to give my life to God. Think about how that changes so much within our lives is that if we are willing to, to give ourselves over to him, And think about, man, I don't have to do all these works and there's just not a scoreboard in place anymore that I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this to be in right standing with God when he's just like, just give me your life. Give me your life. Allow me to work within your lives. That way we we can stop trying to worry about that final score. And recognize that Jesus is the one that matters. That Jesus is the one that can focus on on that stuff. Think about if we gave things over to Jesus, how much that would take worry and stress off of our lives. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and, he has committed, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. We are not called to suffer alone, whether it's a physical weakness or a spiritual weakness. So often, I think that, that we as, as Christians, we get to this place where we're going through something that we just begin to suffer with in silence. 
We suffer in a place of silence that we don't want to share what's going on in our lives. We don't want to share, hey, I'm struggling with this sin or, hey, I have this ailment. I have this going on. And we meet, whether it's that we feel as though we are a burden to somebody, that we don't want to bring somebody else down. We don't want to uh, be embarrassed by the situation that we're in. Or maybe it's that you even feel that nobody feels that you're important or nobody thinks that you're important. That could not be further from the truth. You know, the word sick within this comes from, the, I'm going to try to say this, the Greek word anesthenia, which means weakness or debility. And, you know, many argue within this fact that whether sick is talking about a physical ailment or it's talking about or a physical weakness or a spiritual weakness, why can't it be both? Why can't it be both? We can be sick physically, but we can also be weak or sick spiritually. That we're struggling within our walk because of an addiction or we're struggling within our walk because of a sin that just won't go away. Or there's a temptation that, that continues to beat us down. Or there's guilt or shame or any of those things. We can be sick spiritually. So often when we are suffering, we do it alone. We put on a face like everything's okay. We mask that everything's fine when we're at church. But then we go home and we go fall back into our depression. We fall back into our suffering. And sometimes it feels worse because when you're alone, it's really hard. Anybody in this room ever felt like a very deep loneliness? It's a really bad situation, especially when you're already suffering, to put yourself in a place or to feel completely alone when you're already going through that hard time. You know, it's along with that idea of that sometimes we are embarrassed of the weaknesses that we have. Sometimes we, we don't want to, to share that, that burden with others. But I love the way that, that Paul talks about this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And the idea that he has, been, he has had this, what he calls a thorn in his side. It's something that, that's bothering him. And he goes on and says, God, I've prayed for this over and over again. I've prayed for this three times. And each time you said no. And this is where, where he's at. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Instead of concealing and hiding the weaknesses that are in your life, he's calling us to say, boast about those weaknesses so you don't have to do it alone. Boast about your weaknesses, wear them on your sleeve, so that way God can begin to show you the strength that he has. Stop doing it alone. Let me just say this. It's okay to show others that you're weak. 
It's okay. You don't always have to be the strong one in the room. You don't always have to be strong within your life. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to have others come around you and encourage you. It's okay to have others join you in prayer. It's okay that you're not doing okay. We need to have others to be praying with us. I think it's sometimes it's, it's scary to get to that place where if there's an altar call at church or there's those times where they call you to come forward and you're just like, I, I'm not going forward. Why would you not want to receive prayer? Why would you not want somebody to come and partner with you when you are suffering? When our faith is weak in our prayers, wouldn't we want someone else to be praying with us that has strong faith? Because sometimes when we're praying, it's really hard to believe because things just aren't going well. We are weak and we don't know what to pray and we feel God's not responding. Why would we not have somebody come along with us that their faith is strong, that they've been there, that they've walked through it, that they've seen the way that God has moved? Why would we not want somebody like that praying for us? You know, the leaders in this church, I know that the elders and, and the staff and, and there's other people in this church that are leaders that have gone through many things. We would love to pray for you. We would love to be able to have the opportunity to pray for you, to partner with you, to walk with you. Not only would we love it, but we expect the opportunity to do so. And what I mean by that is, we are privileged to be able to pray with you, to walk along with you as you are suffering. That's part of what we are, are called to do. That's who we are, are, are supposed to be, to partner along with one another. James kind of changed track here, going from the, the sickness portion to... The first part of 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This is a hard one. Confession is, important, is an important part of healing in your spiritual walk. When we are going through sin and we keep something inside, when we keep it in the dark, isn't it something that you constantly feel guilt? You constantly feel shame? You constantly feel a weight that is on your shoulders? Have you ever gotten to that place where you've confessed something like that? And it's almost just like... <sighs> and in the moment, it may feel heavy. It may feel weird. It may feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in trouble for what I just said. But instead, it's just like, but I'm glad it's out. And the relief that goes with the confession, because once you confess the sins and the struggles that you are going through, it is the beginning of healing, because now it's out in the light. Now you have people that can pray for you. Now you can have people that can help keep you accountable. Now you have somebody that can walk through with you and say, hey, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Let me pray for you. I love how it just gets back into the idea of pray for one another that you may be healed. 
Because sin is a wound. Guilt is a wound. Shame is a wound. And if we never get to the place where we are patching it up and, and taking care of it, it's going to continue to get worse. And so often we let the shame of sins that we commit to keep us in a place of shame and bondage. And we don't want anybody to know the sins that we struggle with because we feel that there's going to be judgment along with it. We don't want anybody to know our, our dark secrets, but what would happen if we could be free from that? If you had the choice to be free from a sin that you've been struggling with, wouldn't you want that? I think most of us in this room would say yes because of the heavy weight and the burden that goes with that sin. If you want to find freedom from your sin, bring it to light with people that you trust. Bring it to people that you know that you can trust that aren't going to be talking about it and, and will be there for you and walk through everything with you. And when we are content to hide our sins because we are too embarrassed to share with other people, it's easier to stay stuck within that sin. So find someone that you can pray with to find that freedom and healing. You know, that's one of the things I've, I've been praying for this week is, as I prepared for this message is that this church, that people within this church would find freedom whether it's a struggle with sin or a physical ailment. But also that we could understand what it means to have freedom in Jesus. Sometimes the, the sins and the struggles that, that we're going through, we don't, we, it's hard to find freedom because we don't understand the depth of the forgiveness that Jesus has for us. If we could truly understand the forgiveness that Jesus has for us, there's so much freedom within that. Because if Jesus can forgive us for doing those things, we can forgive ourselves and we can move on. Second half of, of verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person has what? What does the prayer of a righteous person have? Great power as it is working. I love how it brings the, this story in. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. It's saying he was, a, he was a man like all of us. He made mistakes. He did all of these the things. He struggled within his walk. We see in the way that he went and hid after he, he burned up and killed all of the prophets of Baal. And he ran to hide because a woman threatened his life. And then he was, like in the, he was crying in the cave and he's like, God, where are you? Why am I the only one? Sometimes we feel like that in our suffering, right? Why am I the only one going through this? Why is so many things threatening my life right now? But God showed up to him, right? God will show up for you. God is there. He's listening. He's waiting <laughs> to listen to you. But then it goes into this and says... Uh, uh, he was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Can you imagine that? That you pray that it would not rain, and it doesn't rain for three and a half years? 
It says, then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Talk about faith. This guy was like, hey, I'm going to pray because of the craziness of what's going on in the world right now. I'm going to pray that there's no rain. And then when I pray, that's when it's going to come back. So when it talks about that, and it goes back to the idea that, hey, he was a man in the same nature as, as us. And that our prayers as Christ followers, as, as people of, of righteousness, there is power within our prayer. Do you guys believe that? Do we believe that the prayers that we pray are powerful and that God can move when we communicate with him? When we pray, do we actually believe what, that God can do it and have not, and we, and again, going back to, to last week or a couple weeks ago, we have not because we ask not. We just t- covered this in James chapter 4. He's saying, hey, we have not or you have not because you ask not. You don't go to God with your request. You don't go to God and say, hey, God, this is, what, this is what's going on in my life. This is what I need. And then he goes on to, to say after that that uh, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And when I look at that, that we spend our prayers often on our own passions is, do we have selfish motives behind what we're praying? Do we want to get out of the suffering just to make ourselves feel better? Or do we want to get out of the suffering so then we can go and share the testimony of what we struggled with and see somebody else come to know Jesus? What is the difference between when we pray selfishly and when we pray with a motive to see what God can do through those situations? Prayer is powerful and can change situations, circumstances, and even lives. I know I've shared this before, but after I graduated high school, I went through a really difficult time where I was completely alone in my life. Physically alone, my family was falling apart, my, my parents were on the verge of divorce, all my friends left me, I broke up with the girl that I thought I was going to marry after a two and a half year relationship. I was struggling. I had nobody in my life to talk to. I had nobody to turn to. I had nowhere to go. And literally, I prayed every night, God, just kill me. I don't want to be here. I don't care about my life. And nobody else would care either if I was gone. This is what I would pray every single night. And I went forward at church every time and prayed and say, God, please release me from what I'm going through. Please help me to get through this suffering. Please help me this sadness to break. Please help this anger to break. And every week I would go up for an altar call and nothing would happen. And then I moved to Texas to go to school. And it's funny because God doesn't always answer the prayers the way that we expect him to. And God doesn't always answer exactly what we're praying for. But it's funny how he answers prayers. 
Because there was this guy that had a very deep impact on my life as, as he came and he spoke the entire week at school with the idea of focusing on the family. And yeah, like I said, my family was falling apart. My parents were on the verge of divorce. And the guy on Tuesday night was talking about this idea. Hey, if your family is struggling and things are going wrong within your family, come forward. Yeah, things are going wrong with my family. I hear you, but I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to respond, even though I know. And I just felt the Holy Spirit tugging and tugging and tugging. <laughs> I sat there for like five minutes. It's like, I'm not going forward. But finally, it was the, the tugging became so difficult to overcome that I got up and I walked up there, expecting that God would move in my family, but instead he broke my depression. And filled me with a joy that I hadn't experienced in years. So don't give up if you go to somebody for prayer and you don't see God moving in the way that you want him to or expect him to. Keep going. Keep going. Keep seeking God in prayer. Keep along with other people that are going to pray with you. And watch how God can move and change, and especially when the moments where you don't expect it. Because God hears you, and God sees you. James closes out with these two verses in, in verse 19. It says, My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Don't give up on those that wander from the faith. God is the God of the impossible. Sometimes when we see people that are wandering from the faith and they have hurt from the church and there's so much pain there, that we, either, we can often think there is no way that that person is ever going to come back because of the pain and the struggle that is there. Luke one thirty seven simply says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. And this, this verse comes straight after the point where Elizabeth finds out that she is pregnant and she had been barren for a really long time. You know, when we hear that term that, hey, this woman is barren, it's like, wow, she can never have kids. But she found out that she was pregnant, right? And God is the God of the impossible. So just as God can make the barren woman pregnant or stop the rain for three and a half years or raise the dead, he can bring you healing and he can bring back the wanderers. Do you guys believe that this morning? Do you believe that God can transform the situations that you're in? Do you believe that God can heal you? Do you believe that he can bring back those that have wandered from the faith? Do you believe that? Let's pray about those things. Let's believe God. Let's not just say we believe it, but let's begin to pray and seek and have the faith and have others gather beside us in that prayer. 
So when people are going through much suffering or stuck in sin, it is easy to walk away from God. Just remember again what this church is going through that James is writing to. Imagine how easy it would be for them to walk away from God as they just gave their lives over to him within the church and now they're running for their lives because of it. Most of the time when people are running from God, it's because they are hurting, angry, or ashamed. And we need to meet them where they are and be persistent in prayer. So just as that song that we sang on the front end, here again, will you meet me here again? Are we willing to follow Jesus' example and meet people where they are? Are we willing to meet people where they are when we don't agree or they're angry at the church or they're angry with us? Are we willing to meet them where they are and be the light and the love of Jesus to them? We must not come in judgment, but come from a place of love and remind them that nothing is too far from God. That no matter what they've done after they were angry or no matter how far they've wandered, there's always the story of the prodigal son. The God we serve sent his son to die on the cross and the blood he spilt saves the lost and covers a multitude of sins. So when I go back to the very beginning of this message, I challenge us to, to, to be in anticipation for worship. Has God covered a multitude of your sins? Has God moved within your life? Has God transformed you? Isn't that enough to give him worship? I'm going to invite the, the band to come back up. And I'm going to lay out four different scenarios, and I just want to encourage you that if any of these pertain to you, that you come for prayer. Let us this morning join you in praying for whatever it is that you are going through. And don't worry about anybody else in the room, but find a place where you can just meet with God and that you can find prayer with somebody else. So maybe you have been suffering in silence and it's time to bring to light and allow somebody else to join you in prayer. So if you're going through something right now and you've been suffering, it's time to join somebody along with you. Maybe you have been stuck in sin and feel there is no escape and maybe you have been embarrassed to talk to somebody. It's time to allow someone to join you in prayer. Maybe you know someone that has wandered from God and it has been breaking your heart. It's time for you to allow someone to join you in prayer. And the last one is this. Maybe you have been going through suffering or sin and you are the one that has started wondering. Maybe that's why you're here today. It's time for you to allow someone to join you in prayer. So as we go into this last song, this song is literally pleading for you to bring your suffering and your struggles to the table. And I plead with you, don't keep suffering alone. Bring it to God and bring it to somebody that can pray with you. And I believe that you can find freedom. I believe that you can find healing. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is here 
and that he can move within your lives and he can begin to transform whatever it is that you are going through. Because what did it say in Psalm 34? God delivers us out of what? All of our troubles. Father God, I just want to thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you that you are a God that is with us, that you are a God that sees us, that you are a God that cares for each and every one of us. God, I pray for anybody that is going through anything within this room, Lord, that they would respond to you, Lord, that they truly would bring whatever it is to the table. God, I just to, again, pray that there would be freedom within this place. And Lord, that you would transform each and every one of us, that as we leave, that we would not be the same. And God, in the same way that you took me into a service where I was broken, depressed, wanting to end my life, I got to leave that service with a joy that I hadn't experienced in years. So I know that you are the God that can move. I know that you are the God that can transform whatever it is that we are going through. So God, I plead and pray that you will do that this morning. In Jesus' name.